0: Welcome to No Matter What. I'm Hannah Seymour, and this podcast is all about being who God created you to be no matter what, no matter your past, your current circumstances, no matter your relationship status, your career journey, no matter what life throws at you. Each episode, I invite a friend to talk about what that actually looks like, to be who God created you to be no matter what. Well, welcome to another episode of No Matter What. I am in the studio today with my sweet, dear friend, Laura Cooksey. Yay. Laura, thanks for being here. I'm
1: so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well,
0: I'm so excited. So before I pull up Laura's... Big old bio. What I first want to tell you is I know Laura because when I first really started dating Tyler, there was a couple in the church that Tyler had helped plant named Laura and Kyle Cooksey. And Tyler Seymour looked to Laura and Kyle Cooksey, who are like just barely older than us Uh, but he looked at them like that is who I want to be when I grow up I want to be Kyle Cooksey and I want to find my Laura Cooksey and I think he looked at me and was like I think you could be the Laura to my Kyle (laughs) and and so and you know what y'all did not disappoint as I got to know y'all and um just walk alongside and let, we've been in different seasons of life together throughout different, I mean, gosh, it's been like six years at this point mm-hmm. of knowing y'all. And so that's one Two, Laura sang at Tyler's and my wedding. She, well, she's saying she really led worship and mm-hmm. the folks who attended my wedding, if you were one of them, I mean, everyone said, well, actually my dad says everyone showed up for a wedding and a worship service broke mm-hmm. out. And that truly is my memory of that day. And, and one of the, well, not one, Well, one, but the main reason that we asked you to do it, because we knew that you are a lot of things, but you're also a worship leader at heart Mm -hmm. and Laura, well, I'll just get into her bio, but probably the thing that is most important to Tyler Seymour about Laura and her professional accomplishments (laughs) is that she is a Disney vocal all-star and for years and I'm sure years to come, when you go to Disney world disneyland disney and where i mean tokyo all the places at different points you will hear laura's perfect strong clear soprano just leading the charge and all kinds of like the fireworks display and anyway laura is constantly highlighted as a vocalist for disney and so and if you know tyler seymour that is very important today actually he was telling me about he was some disney show he put on for the boys and he was like well this is xyz and blah blah blah. and i just looked at him and said i have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) and he's like oh when you go to disney world i'm like "Mm -hmm. okay you lost me when you go to disney world i mean i've been and i will go again but tyler knows like all the things okay here's what i need you to know about laura Her background, which we'll talk about, is really music. Mm -hmm. And she went to college at um, Baylor University for music. She has toured with, like, all the people, y'all. Nicole C. Mullen, Mandisa, Michael W. Smith, Amy Grant. She has been a featured worship leader for the Women of Faith conferences, if you've ever attended one of those. Um, As I mentioned before, she's a featured soloist for all kinds of Disney Park spectaculars worldwide. She's been a session singer, a vocal contractor. I mean, again, Casting Crowns. Natalie Grant Katy Perry Celine Dion Andrea Bocelli I mean Sister has got All the things I just am now learning this as I'm looking at her bio. (laughs) She's planning to release new music in 2021. Thank you, Lord. This sister has done like all the things she has. This isn't even in her bio. She started a whole company pulling together session singers. Like actually Tyler and I got to be session singers. You guys did. Yes, for a job. That was super fun for our friend Ben Abraham. But not just a job, like a union job, which is like.
1: Very coveted yeah. and sought after
0: in Nashville. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I was everyone. telling a friend the other day. I was like, I love
1: that my friends were on a SAG actress. <laughs> Sorry, (laughs) everyone. I love it.
0: uh, You know, is making a living in the industry and just stole some work from you. But it blessed us and we probably got to buy something for Christmas. I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, and then most recently, and we're going to talk about this more towards the end, is Laura has launched a new creative endeavor called The Thoughtful Table. And it builds on her love for creating moments that matter through sharing recipes, table settings, and personal inspiration. And so I can't wait for her to share with you kind of where all that came from in her personal story. And finally, as I already mentioned before, Laura is husband to Kyle and raising three beautiful children. (laughs) Her oldest is a girl and two boys to follow. And I'm sure we'll talk about them a little bit more in this interview. But all of that to say... My dear, very accomplished friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for being here.
1: Thanks for having me. Y'all. And I'm just excited. Ex- y'all
0: know that when I bring friends on no matter what, they are friends who I think are wise and trustworthy. And they're people who if I needed some if I needed advice or insight, um, they're the folks that I would call. Mm-hmm. And Laura is certainly in that group of people that I know is is wise and follows the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I want that in my life. So <laughs>
1: Thank you, girl.
0: Well, okay, so you no know, pressure. <laughs> no, no pressure at all. You know that much of the show is just me chatting with friends and authors and artists and whatever, really about all of us in our spiritual journey come to points where we really have to ask ourselves: Am I going to be who God created me to be, no matter what this circumstance is—a circumstance I don't like, that's hard, that's loss, disappointment, grief? Am I still going to choose to serve God? Am I still going to trust Him? So. Before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of one of those seasons for you, back us up and kind of just paint the picture of like, who was Laura Cooksey early years? You went to Baylor as a music Mm -hmm. major. Kind of just give us the background. Yeah.
1: So um, Only Child, born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia by Pam and Richard Brown, (laughs) who lived in Atlanta forever and just moved to Nashville to be closer to us last year. We love that. Um, I did go to Baylor. And what's interesting about me growing up is I had a plan. You know, yeah. I I had a plan for my life. No, there's no doubt. <laughs> Knowing you, I knew um, you had a plan. The Lord, the Lord, you know, is the one who orders our steps. But I, I definitely had a plan. And my life had really gone pretty much according to that plan, mm-hmm. I would say, throughout my childhood, um, into high school, into my college years. I decided that I wanted to be a voice major at Baylor when I was 12. Wow. And that's the only school I applied to. And that's what I did. Yeah. And then I met Kyle in college. We got married before his senior year. Um, I was traveling and singing with a Christian vocal group. And we started working with a label in Nashville. And they encouraged us strongly to move here. manager who had graduated from Baylor, who had worked in the music industry forever in Nashville. And so they were like, you guys need to move to Nashville. So we did. And within six months of moving to Nashville in the early 2000s, the group broke apart and the label folded, oh, gosh. <laughs> which is, you know, if you've lived in Nashville anytime, time, that's not Classic. an uncommon story. <laughs> Classic. But for me, it was the first time in my life, yeah. and I was barely an adult, it was the first time in my life when something really didn't go my way, yeah. and it was kind of like, whoa. It challenged everything, you know, and looking back on it and now experiencing 18 years of life yeah. or 20 years of life as an adult, I'm like, oh gosh, that was really not even that big of a yeah. deal you know, but at the time it seemed like the world was kind of ending and yeah. everybody that we moved to Nashville with and that we knew and kind of our security community uh, moved away also within mm-hmm. that year. And we were the only ones who stayed. And so that was one of my earliest memories of me being like, okay, Lord, what's going on here? Yeah. Like what happens when things don't go our way, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and I remember learning a lot through that season. I, looking back on it, I think I went through kind of a season of depression because mm-hmm. I didn't I just felt so lost when things didn't go according to my plan. Mm-hmm. And then I remember with music specifically saying to the Lord, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend this. I was a little younger <laughs> in my faith then, but I said to the Lord like, "Lord, if if you have this for me, yeah. this you're going to have to do this." Yeah. Cuz I don't really know what to do. I don't have the energy to like Hustle and yeah. I don't, you know, yeah, I'm not even wired that way. Yeah. And the I always kind of hated the sort of industry part of the music uh-huh. industry, totally. you know, in Nashville, and it just felt really intimidating to me. And so, it's was like, if you have this, you're gonna have to do it. Yeah. And it was a while before yeah. the Lord began to open some doors, but He did. Uh-huh. And what I learned in that season is just to kind of bloom where I was planted, mm. and I started serving in my church for a long time. I wouldn't, they asked me if I would. Um, our church asked me if I would sing on the worship team. And I was like, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> when I moved to Nashville, I quickly realized we visited a couple churches and landed on our church pretty quickly. But I remember thinking like, oh, 50% of the congregation works in music. yeah, And that is terrifying. Yeah. yeah, And so I was like, no, actually, I won't. Yeah. So it was about... <laughs> So I don't know. Anyway, I, yeah. Um, so it was about two years. And then finally I was like, okay, I, I was really missing just mm. serving in my church yeah. and, and a worship community. And so I began to serve. And then kind of about a year after that, Nicole St. went to our church and approached me and was like, would you ever want to, you know, come on the road and, and sing background vocals? And so that really just was sort of the catalyst that opened a lot of doors for me um, in Nashville and in music ministry and yeah. sort of yeah. set the tone for my life moving forward.
0: Okay. So if you could travel back in time right now and like sit down with yourself, yeah. right. Kind of when everything crashed with the label and the group you're with and all your support and friends moving away, what, what would you tell yourself?
1: I think I would tell myself, you know, I often now I refer back to that Proverbs 16, nine verse that says in his heart, man plans his mm-hmm. ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Yeah. yeah, And I do think it's important that we have plans. I think, you know, we see how, important vision is in scripture and we can yeah. see that without it, it says that without a vision that people perish. Yeah, that's right. Right? The vision make it plain so that people may see it and run with it. Yeah. So we know that vision is important. And vision was always such an important part of my life. But then when the vision didn't play out as I planned mm-hmm. um I kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. And so I think what I learned in that season is like, okay, we plan and we prepare and yeah. then we have to pivot.
0: Yeah.
1: And we have to trust the Lord in that pivot. Yeah. That it it might not look like what we think it's going to look like, Uh but that God's in it Uh and that he, you know, I think also about just his ways are higher than our ways. His ways are higher than our thoughts. Like, yes, we don't know. Like we see with such finite minds and we see in this context of finite time and God is so much bigger than that. And his plan is so much bigger than that. And if I've learned anything Sort of in my adult years, it's just to really thank the Lord Mm -hmm. when those doors close Mm -hmm. and to trust him that he really
0: knows what he's doing Mm -hmm. and that he's in it and he's
1: going to use it.
0: Mm -hmm. I had Tara Lee Cobble on the show recently. One of her talks that she gives is about the kindness of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I think kind of her thesis is. Uh, perhaps the kindest thing the Lord says to us is no. And talking about how like, we never want to hear no, right? When we pray, we're always asking for the Lord to say yes, 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 yes. yes. But what if we could reframe and truly trust that his no's are that kindest thing for us? Yes. What would you say to someone? Because I think we all can hear that and go, yep, I need to make plans and prepare and hold those loosely and then pivot when it's time. But Mm -hmm. I think a lot of us can feel like, well, then that planning and preparing was in vain. Like I I did all of that for years and I was, per, I was, pre, so, so what do you say to the person that's, that's really wrestling with that? Like, it just feels like this season is in vain or that past season of my life was, mm-hmm. is wasted.
1: I have lived long enough now to see the Lord use everything. Yeah, He just does. Yeah. And he uses it in ways that we could never fathom or yeah. never imagine. And yeah. so just going back to what you said about holding our plans, Lucy, like we plan and then we hold them with open hands. We Mm -hmm. don't have like a tight death grip on them. Yeah. Um, But we hold them up to the Lord and we offer them to Him. And we're like, okay, Lord, like use what you want to do with this what you will. Um, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in my life and with these plans, you know? Yeah. And then trusting Him in that. Like I really have just seen. I mean, and this is just such a silly example, but in college, I was just one semester short of a French major. And then I moved to Nashville to do music. And I was like, well, I don't know what I'll ever, you know.
0: I thought you were like a full ride music. I Baylor. was a vocal okay. performance
1: major, but we had to take so many foreign languages. Oh, yeah, And I had taken so much uh, French in high school that I AP tested yeah. you know, out of a yeah. lot. So I didn't have to take a lot to be close to a minor. Got Did it. I say major? Yeah. yeah. But minor, minor in French. Yeah. yeah sorry. That um, ma- sense. mom brain. Yeah. Minor in French. And, um, I was like, well, I'll never. And I took it a bunch of German and Italian. I was like, I'll never use that in <laughs> Nashville, Tennessee. Um, but what's crazy is that two or three years ago, I was working on some stuff for Disney and Disney Paris That's right. called and they were like, they had done some vocals out of the country that they weren't happy with and they wanted us to re-record them here and i ended up being the french coach for an entire disney project and i'm speaking with the guy what in france that? and i was like lord you are so funny so funny like you just i mean we could i could have never made that up right. you know in my wildest right. dreams and that's just such a like kind of silly little example but yeah. I have truly lived long enough to now know that the Lord wastes nothing. Mm. And and what's crazy is even if things don't turn out the way we think that they're going to, God uses that, like, yeah. in obvious ways and also in unexpected ways. Yeah. And you know, even if it's just to cultivate something in us—that's right—that needs to be cultivated yeah. or refined, then right. it's it's not for nothing. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So you kind of started learning early years of marriage to plan and prepare, but, yeah. but pivot and hold it loosely. Mm-hmm. And then at some point in y'all's, I mean, y'all got, I feel like y'all got married so young, but it's, it's all just relative. Tyler <laughs> right. and I got married, you know, right before we turned 30. Um, and Kyle's still in college. I love that. Yes. But at some point y'all decide, okay, it's time to start a family. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I've been on the road for a while and we were kind of, again like when I was a kid I was like I'm gonna have kids by the time I'm 28 oh yeah and you know yeah. and we were past that like I wasn't okay. early... you were not
0: you, were, you had already yes <laughs> you were not I on track like, and no <laughs> um
1: and so we were in our early 30s and we thought okay let's you know yeah. try to start a family yeah. and we did not get pregnant and we you know we were kind of casual about it like it wasn't this major source of angst or anxiety yeah. for us at the time um I think in the back of my mind, there was always a little bit of a fear of, like, what if I can't get pregnant? Because my mom had had some fertility mm-hmm. issues, which is why I'm an only child. Yeah. Um, but, again, it wasn't, like, the main sort of focus. We're like, mm-hmm. okay, Laura, we just, you know, if this when this happens, it's going to happen. Yeah. And also, at the same time, one of the early conversations that we had in our marriage was that we well, even before we got married, when we were dating, was that we both felt passionate about adoption. Wow. And so we knew that we wanted adoption to be part of our story, yeah. if that's what the Lord had for our family. Um, we also wanted biological children. And we just trusted the Lord with the timing of that. Yeah. So we didn't get pregnant. I did like mild fertility drugs and turned into a crazy person. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't think this is for me, yeah. so I'm going to stop yeah. that. And we didn't feel... The piece just about moving forward with any more fertility in that season or, or, you know, planned fertility. Sure. And it, it's not that we don't have strong feelings about it either way. We just, for us yeah. at that time, we were like, uh, we don't yeah. feel like God saying to do this. This is where we need to go. Yeah. yeah. So we kind of just let it go. And we began to talk about adoption. Like, okay, well, what if we adopt, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, what if we adopt kind of first? And so we started praying about that and talking to people about that who had also adopted. And I'm kind of fast forwarding you through several years, yeah. but yeah. fast forward to like 2013, we begin to really seriously talk about adoption and yeah. pray about adoption. And we always thought we would adopt internationally. And then we had some friends who were in actually two sets of friends who are in an international adoption process. And it was taking years and years. Yeah. And we were like, Ooh, and at the same time, I think that desire for us to be parents was really um, growing Uh and we started hearing about all these kids in foster care who needed families. Yeah. And so the Lord began to sort of shift our focus from international adoption to domestic adoption. Mm -hmm. And we were actually helping a friend with a music fundraiser for a medical account, trust fund for her daughter that she was in the process of adopting from Haiti several years ago and we were at that, that fundraiser and putting that together. And there was a group there called one four seven and they work really closely with the adoption world. And the name comes from the idea that there are 147 million orphans worldwide. And so anyway, a lady in Arkansas who has a ministry called project zero reached out to one four seven the day of that event and said, Hey, I don't know if you know anybody that's home study ready, which it's a whole process you go through Mm -hmm. as a potential adoptive family. And tons of paperwork and they basically, you know, turn your home over and sort of, you know, uh, investigate your family, make sure that you would be ideal parents for potential children. And so, anybody that's home study ready, we've got many sibling groups here in Arkansas who need parents. And she mentioned that to my friend, Lisa Harper, who we were having the benefit Mm -hmm. for. And Lisa mentioned it to us that night. And she's like, you know, gosh, the need is just so big, guys. And she just mentioned it in passing. We were at dinner after the event. She said, i just heard about all these sibling groups in Arkansas who need families. And it just kind of hit me in a different way. And I just sort of was like, okay. So I reached out to Lisa the next morning. And I was like, hey, do you know much about this? And she's like, well, I can put you in contact with the people. And Kyle and I just so happened that we were two days later going to be driving to Texas right through Arkansas. And coming back the following weekend. And so the following weekend, we got in contact with the people in Arkansas. uh, Christy Irwin, who runs Project Zero there, which their mission is to zero out the foster care system of waiting kids in the state of Arkansas. So we met with her at Chick-fil-A off the interstate in Little Rock. (laughs) We're sitting there like with tears pouring down our faces, you know, and just connected instantly. Got in the car. She sent us an email with like six photos of sibling groups. And we saw... The one of our three children. Wow. We were like, just kind of like there's something to this. And we had always thought two kids. So not literally three. from
0: the photo, you're like, these are our people. We we
1: did have that sense, yeah. you know, yeah. which is kind of weird to say, but just like the Lord was in that, even from the beginning. And so we got our home study ready like at lightning speed in like seven weeks. And we began the process. And what's crazy is even in that season, we believed so strongly that those were our kids. And they had been waiting for an adoptive family for two and a half years at that point. So parental rights had been terminated. They had been in the foster care system for almost three years when we kind of came into the picture. And at that time, when we found out about them, they weren't, they were like three, five, and eight. So we got our home study done. We submitted our family book with just like pictures of our family and friends okay. and community and all that. And then we hear back from their adoption specialist and she's like, it's a no. And they're like, we really want this specific type of family for these kids. And we were like, okay, Lord, that did not go how we thought it was going to go. If y'all could see my face right now,
0: (laughs) I did not know this part of the story.
1: Yes. And so I remember we were actually standing in our bedroom when we got the call and we're like, I was like, okay, well, from the beginning of this process, Lord, we said, we are going to hold this with open hands. I mean, we said that to each other. So Lord, we're trusting you with this process and had y'all met them at this point we had no. no
0: so it was just photos and and a lot of like thought life and I don't mean that like turn to
1: like, prayers I a I know of thought how
0: life. our okay so my family we pursued an international adoption with a brother and a sister who were four and six in a Russian orphanage and I mean that's a story that I won't go into right now but I think everyone knows listening. I do not have two Russian siblings. (laughs) Um, And when that fell through, I mean, we were devastated Mm -hmm. and I mean, we never met them. We had seen some VHS tape footage and photos, but it's amazing. It's amazing how you can, it's like when you decide in your heart, like this is, these are family members, these are our children, or these are siblings, like how there can be such attachment. I mean, did y'all feel that way? We did. I think
1: in general, I am a little more guarded in my emotions. Uh Kyle was definitely attached. And so even through the praying process, I kind of moved on in my heart because I didn't really want to feel
0: the grief of
1: the potential of, you know what I mean? Like I was just like, I hadn't really let myself go all the way there yet. Uh But what's crazy is that as we kept praying every night, Kyle kept praying for those kids. And about a month later, Christy Irwin, who's the Project Zero person, went to pick up our family book from the adoption specialist to actually take it to another adoption specialist because there was another set of two siblings that they wanted to have it for. Uh, She called the adoption specialist and said, hey, can I come by and pick this up? And the adoption specialist called her back in a couple hours and was like, well, hang on a second. She hadn't really even looked at our home study and hadn't even really looked at our family book and started looking through and was like, wait a minute. I want to take this to the kids this weekend and I'll get back to you. And so she did, she took it to our kids and our oldest at the time was eight. She, and so she definitely had feelings about the situation, you know, obviously. And she went over our family book with them and they wanted to meet us and they chose us kind of in that moment, like with the adoption specialist. And so we got a call almost two months later, I think. We got a call from Christy and she said it was funny. She, we conferenced in like through our iPhones and Kyle was at work <laughs> and I was at home. And she said, they chose you guys. And Kyle fell on the floor <laughs> in his office and started crying. And I just started crying. And um, that began the journey of and the adoption process. And so from start to finish, from the time we started our home study to the time that we brought our kids home, In June of 2014, it was about an eight and a half month process. Wow. And which actually was kind of like gangbuster speed. Yeah. Yeah. And now, six and a half years later, here we are. Um, So, even in that process, it's kind of like I've just seen the Lord move in unlikely ways. Mm -hmm. So, just, I mean, there's so many stories of that that I could tell throughout the course of my life where Mm -hmm. it's like when it looks like a no, it might actually be a no. And then I'll see later like, yeah, thank you, Lord, for that. No, even, you know, sometimes we don't get to see the why behind a no on this side of heaven, but sometimes we do. And I've seen it enough on this side of heaven to trust the Lord completely, Uh you know, with, Uh with his process and with his plans for his kids. Yeah. And so that was certainly another sort of milestone, in our faith journey of just trusting the Lord
0: for sure. Yeah. Just want to interrupt this conversation for a second to tell you about my 25 day Bible study guides. And this month, I released a new study called 25 Days in Philippians. In Philippians, Paul teaches us that joy comes not as the result of external conditions, but from internal confidence that God is at work and in control. And I don't know about you, but I need that reminder that my joy comes from my internal confidence that God is at work, that He's in control, that He is always always good, not from my external conditions. I would love for you to join me 25 days in Philippians this month. You can learn more at hannahseymour.com or check out some of my other 25 days in Bible book plans. What did it look like as y'all going through this process of inviting, were y'all like seeking counsel and inviting people to walk along with you? Or were y'all kind of like, we are certain that this is what the Lord's calling us to do?
1: We felt pretty certain. I think, um, it was just made clear to us just sort of through an abundance of different people sharing a word with us or saying, Hey, the Lord puts you in our heart. We've been praying mm-hmm. for this for you mm-hmm. guys. And, other people in our community that had, like I said, already adopted and were sort of walking us through that Mm -hmm. process. So we felt, Mm -hmm. I think we felt really supported um, Mm -hmm. in that season. Mm -hmm. What's crazy is that we had sort of let the idea of biological children, I think go honestly, because we adopted three children at once and we were very overwhelmed with.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, going from zero to three is
1: and not oh, just three babies. No. Three 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 humans. Yeah. Three people with thoughts and words and emotions. And honestly, a lot of trauma. You know, like yes. we we obviously let their stories be their stories. So I don't get into that Yeah. when I talk about our adoption journey publicly, because it's theirs to tell right. on their terms. But I mean, you know that no child is in foster care without trauma or without right. having lived through some hard things. Yeah. And so, so many layers there to unpack. Yeah. So we had just sort of been like, well, we don't even have the space to think about yeah. sort of anything beyond that. You know, in this time we felt like our family um, was complete. But in the back of my mind, I think I always wondered like what, I think there was always a little bit of a sting of like, well, what would it be like to give birth to a child and what would you know how would that be different would that be different what is it like to see a human that looks like you Mm -hmm. and you know all those things that I think we just Mm -hmm. naturally as women wonder think about you know so fast forward to this year we our family is felt complete we're a family of five we love our children dearly they're such a blessing to us and you know 2020 has been all the things (laughs) for us and all the things for all of us and it's interesting I was talking to some friends yesterday and I was like I wouldn't even call it a bad year because I think yeah. and I think we'll all look back on it with all the feels probably yeah. but I think also with gratitude because so it's too. brought so many things to the forefront so in much our lives clarity
0: and perspective and Absolutely. prioritization and I think so many good things have if you've allowed it to if you've like leaned into it that's the deal God, I think, has birthed a lot of beautiful new things.
1: Uh, That's the deal. I think it's we were forced to have this sort of space where God had our attention in a way. Like we were all, all of our lives slowed down. We had all this time in our homes, you know, which we are not used to with our American crazy busy lifestyles. And it was like, oh. Like, I just remember sitting out on my porch, which I named vacation in 2020 since we weren't going on an <laughs> so actual you're, vacation. You're like, right, guys, I'm going but on guys vacation. guys, going to vacation. Yep, going yep. on vacation. Be back in a little bit. And <laughs> I just remember sitting out there and having so many mornings with the Lord and just, you know, being like, oh, that's an idol in my life. Wow. Oh, there's still unforgiveness there. Oh, you wow. know, and just. Really being confronted with myself, yeah, and I think, yeah. like you said, we we had the choice, and we have the choice to either lean into that or be yeah. like, "Mm, uh-huh. gonna keep it moving." Lord, I don't yeah. have time to go there, um, but we really we can't afford not to go there, and yeah. that's really what I've learned this year. Yeah, wow. so having wow. said that, twenty twenty has kind of been a year of all the things, mm-hmm. and so it had been a, a hard year for our family, like yeah. just lots of things coming to the surface, but also great, you know, things coming into the light that sure. needed to be brought into the light. And so, so thankful for that. Mm-hmm. And the Lord just in his mercy, you know, in the way that he loves us, those things have to come to the light yeah. so that we can bring him to the Lord and allow him to do the work and the redemptive work that he wants to do. So yeah. there were kind of several of those types of things sort of spinning in our family. Yeah. And then in the middle of May, I was on a session, I was singing and I was a crazy person that day. I was like crying on the session. I was very sensitive. It was very weird. And I was like, this is not me, me at all. Yeah. And then the next week I was so tired. Like I couldn't get out of the bed. And I was like, I mean, I did cause I worked, but I remember calling, <laughs> I remember calling Kyle on the way home from a session. I was like, okay, I either have COVID <laughs> and we don't know it or I might be pregnant. And so we went home, I I went home, and he's like, should I get a pregnancy test? I was like, yeah, I think you should. I guess you should. I don't know. I'm like, (laughs) what "What is even happening? And I'm, you know, 40. Like, I am in the geriatric pregnancy phase of life, as they like to say. And so, um, turns out, I was pregnant. And I remember just... Just being like, Lord, what is this? Yeah, what is going you know, on? In the middle of 2020, and it was all the things, those was all the emotions. It was shock, and it was, um, I was scared to death because I was like, I've never experienced this. How's my body going to react to this? Or we, you know, it was also a challenging year for our family. I was like, do we have like the space the for this? For you this. know, yeah. Um, and so, and I'm 40, <laughs> but it, we were also thrilled, and it yeah. felt like a gift
0: from the Lord at that time, you know? And so you hadn't been praying for it. You hadn't been trying for it. You hadn't
1: totally off of our radar. Like, yeah, I, yes. I mean, I've never been pregnant in 18 years of marriage. Yeah, So it's a shocker. It was (laughs) to (laughs) say the least. (laughs) least. So we go to the doctor. I was around seven at seven weeks. Everything looked good. And she's like, I do want to see you back in two weeks. Let's just like, you know, so I went back for a, Um, my nine week appointment, I had been feeling like a ton of morning sickness. And so I felt like that was a great sign. And we went back for our nine week appointment and there was no longer a heartbeat. And it was just like, okay, Lord, this was like, yeah. Yeah. It was the moment of like, we didn't ask for this. We didn't pray for this. We weren't planning for this. Like, why would you do this? Why? Yeah. Yeah. And. Also in that moment, I remember back, I mean, I remember like being still in the doctor's office and I remember back to a moment where my, just a mentor in the faith that I met right after we moved to Nashville, she talked about a moment when she and her husband had experienced great financial loss, like Mm -hmm. everything. And there was a moment when they felt like he was about to get this job that they had been praying for and it didn't work out. And she said, she grabbed his hands in the kitchen. And she's like, okay, we're going to pray and we're going to thank the Lord for this. And I, it's just stuck with me. I mean, since she told me that in my, when I was 23 years old, it was the first time really I had ever heard anything like that. And it was so counterintuitive, you know? Yeah. And I just remember being like, huh? (laughs) But then the Lord did something incredible, you know, as a result of that a couple months later in their lives. And I've just, it's always stuck with me. And so even then I was just like, okay, Lord, I. Devastated. I mean, Dev, we were devastated. Uh, Yes, as anybody is and has been who's walked through that. And there's so many. It's, I think it used to be one in five pregnancies. Now it's one in four, which is just crazy if you stop and think about that. But just remember thinking, okay, Lord, I don't get this. And if I'm honest, I kind of think you got this wrong. (laughs) Yeah. But at the same time, I trust you, and I even. I even thank you for this no, because I know that you're in it wow. and you're still good and you're still for us. You're still for me. You're mm. still for our family mm-hmm. and you're going to use it. Yeah. And so it's like, I always kind of go back to those things when we have those hard moments like, is God good? Yes. Yeah. Is God in this? Yes. It's like, he's in it with me and he's so close, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah.
1: And is he going to use it? Yeah you know? And so it was one of those moments. It's like where the rubber meets the road mm-hmm. and it sort of does challenge everything we believe and everything that we know. And I mean, there was certainly a wrestling. So I don't want to be like, I don't want to, you know, sort of whitewash over that. Totally. Um, There's certainly a wrestling and, and a, a deep grieving and we were devastated and it was so hard. And our kids knew I was pregnant because, I was sick and there was no way to hide it at that point. And so it was hard for them and just walking through that. yeah. So
0: how, how do you, cause it's one thing as an adult to go, okay, I've been through enough life with you, Lord, that I, even though I, it doesn't look like it right now. And I, my, I might not even feel like it. I can declare that you're still good. Mm -hmm. You're still trustworthy. I know you're going to use this. Like everything that you said, but how do you translate that to your children?
1: I think it's one of those things that we have to trust the Lord with Mm -hmm. in their lives Mm -hmm. because they they only get it to the degree that they get it at this age. And they are, you know, they're different people and they process in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember our youngest son saying, I prayed for the baby every night. Like, I don't understand.
0: Just rip out your heart. Exactly. And
1: so you're like, (laughs) "Okay, Lord, like, really?
0: (laughs) You know, God, this could have been easier.
1: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You know, but at the same time. He's seen the faithfulness of God already in his 10 years yeah. of life yeah. and the goodness of God. And he's going to see it again. Yeah. And there will be other things that he doesn't understand that don't go his way, that doesn't go the way that he planned. But I think we have to just trust the Lord to be the Lord in their lives yeah. and, and give them the space to process it. Yeah. And not try to gloss it over for them and not try to tie it up in. and it, You can't. There's right. no way. You right. know. Life is... Messy and in our humanity, we are messy, yeah, and broken, and so we just we sort of fumble through life and do the best that we can, knowing that God's holding us. Through yeah, it, you know,
0: yeah. You and Kyle more than any other friends that Tyler and I have, y'all just get this concept of like our kids are their own people, and the Lord is going to do what He wants to do, and and I don't know if it's walking into parenthood with such open hands because you you didn't have control of their lives until mm-hmm. they were in your home and how mm-hmm. that changes everything versus a parent mm-hmm. that's like from the moment they're born feels like they have some sort of control or influence and uh, I mean yes we have influence and we have some control but I think most parents especially younger parents and I put myself in that camp like we just think we impact and influence so much of our child and how they think and believe and and Again, we We do, do, but also we don't.
1: (laughs) It's true. And I honestly, I attribute a lot of that to really good counseling. Mm. Um, Mm. My counselor has said over and over again, like, your children are not you. Like, yes, they are a part of your families, but they are their own people they yeah. make their own decisions yeah. they and you know if we're not careful we can kind of become narcissistic about
0: totally. them sort
1: of being an extension of us yeah and how yeah. we need them to be and how we need them to perform and how we need them to act yeah. and how we need them to understand and it's like no god's yeah. got him
0: like yeah that's right
1: just like he's got you just like he's got me yeah he's got him yeah
0: I hear my dad counsel other parents a lot who are really struggling with teens for whatever reason. And he all the time just says they're free agents. They are free agents. And I, my friend Jamie Hurd, who was on the podcast and, and another season had said, Hannah, my kids are on loan. And I wrote that down. I have a little sticky note on my desk. that says my boys are on loan from the Lord. Yes. And that is a scary and wonderful concept. It depends on where you want to land, like in your perspective of it, but to think, yeah, they're not even mine. Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're not. They belong to the Lord. Yep.
1: Just like we belong to the Lord. Yeah. And to me, that's, that's where the reassurance comes. Mm. It's like, Lord, I belong to you Mm -hmm. and I know what it feels like to belong to you. Mm -hmm. So I can entrust my children to you Mm -hmm. because you've been so faithful in my life. You're going to be faithful in their lives. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean, what did that like grieving process look f- like for y'all? <laughs>
1: um it was a lot because we did in fact also get covid like 3 weeks later in 2020, which is just I don't think I knew this. It's I mean, you really it's sort of, you know, it's just it's, it's been really all been the year. all the really things, the year. Hannah. Um and so it was grieving and then we got sick. So it was just. But even in that, it was kind of a gift because Kyle and I were quarantined together for 14 days from the rest of our family because my parents were living with us yeah. while their house was being built yeah. at the time, so we really had to quarantine. Yeah, and it honestly was good because it allowed us some kind of concentrated time to, to process and grieve together wow. in a way that I don't think we would have been able no, to I don't think had so. we not been sick. So even in that, like I just see the Lord all over it. Kindness. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a journey. You know, like there are t- days where it feels very close. Like the emotion I feel, it feels very much on the surface. And then there are other days where it's like, Lord, that was weird. Yeah, (laughs) You know, I still think that like, Lord, that was weird. And I don't really get it, but I do trust you in it. Yeah, And what's really um, interesting is that I have a friend that I serve in our church worship community with who also recently had a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And she was further along in her pregnancy than I was. And I was so devastated for her when I found out it was her first pregnancy and just so sad for her because I'm that grief is still kind of fresh yeah. for, for me, you yeah. know, but it was like, man, I know how to pray for that. Ooh, yeah. I know how to be there yeah. in that. And yeah. I'm so thankful that we had some dear friends in our church who really walked alongside of us uh-huh. and encouraged us and just, even reiterated that our baby's life in that very short amount of time had meaning and value and purpose, which is huge. I think if you're looking for a way to comfort somebody who's walking through that, it's just reassuring that first of all, your baby's in heaven Mm -hmm. and that your baby had value in life and purpose Mm -hmm. and meaning. And they see that. And that when your community sees that, I think it just validates what you're feeling through that grief, you know? And so I was able to, do that in a similar way that it had been done for me. And I was like, Lord, mm-hmm. this is the kingdom. Like mm-hmm. even now I still don't get this. I don't love it. I think it's devastating and heartbreaking, but I see your purpose mm-hmm. in it. And I see your kingdom here on earth is I'm able to comfort in the way that I've been comforted. Yeah. Um, and sit with my friend in a way that my friends sat with me, yeah. you know, from a place of empathy and understanding, uh-huh. and that is everything. It's one thing yeah. for somebody to be like, "I'm so sorry," yeah, I've never experienced that, yeah. but to be like, "I'm so sorry, I get it, yeah. and I'm here," yeah, um, and so honestly, I think even in that me being able to extend that to a friend, it's also even been healing for me, yeah. you know?
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think the Lord's just all up in that process. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see it in scripture. It's like we comfort in the same way that we've been comforted. Yeah. And that's God's idea. Yeah.
0: So. I remember you kind of shared some of this in one of your like Instagram videos, Mm -hmm. and I remember just being so floored. I Tyler had had coffee with Kyle earlier, and so I had I had heard some of the story, and but to hear from you and on Instagram, I mean, what stuck with me is it felt like your final thought was kind of like, "And we have hope." Like Mm -hmm. that, like in the sadness and the grief and the what the heck, Lord, (laughs) and all of that, like, like we we walk away hopeful. Talk about that.
1: We do because our hope is not ever anchored in our circumstances. Yeah. I think about the scripture in second Corinthians, I think it's second Corinthians four. It says, you know, for our light and momentary troubles is achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. For, mm. So for what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, yeah. Lord, we're not living for here. Like, yeah, We really are. And I mean, more than ever, I feel this as a believer, like this is not our home. Like this is not it. This is not the end of the story. So our hope is anchored in Jesus and in eternity. And are there days that we lose sight of that? Absolutely. Are there moments when we completely forget that and, we are just bombarded with what's right in front of mm-hmm. us. Of course we're mm-hmm. humans. Um, and I think we would all be lying if we said we didn't, yeah. you know, feel that way on occasion. But ultimately yeah. when we step back and kind of look at it from that 30,000 foot viewpoint, mm-hmm. we realize that this is not
0: the end of the story. Mm-hmm. What is some scripture that you really clung to during this time?
1: I mean, that passage in second Corinthians yeah. was huge for me. Also, um, Lamentations three, you know, I've been reading a book about lamenting and the whole idea of Uh lamenting. And growing up we didn't talk about Uh -uh. that a lot. Uh -uh. So it's kind of a new a newer concept for me as an adult, even in the last I would say four or five years. Oh yeah, totally. And what I love about the Psalms where we see David lamenting and even in, in Lamentations, it's like God, this is hard. I don't get it. I am struggling. My life has been devastated. It feels like everything has been uprooted and turned over. And I don't know what to do, but or and Uh I remember Uh your faithfulness. And I remember that your mercies are new every morning. So um, actually in the New Living Translation, there's uh, Lamentations 3.0. 21 through 24. And it says, and he's basically saying like all these things, like, I remember how afflicted I've been. I remember how sick and how miserable I've been, but this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. And so that was a huge scripture for me yeah. in that season of just like, "Okay, Lord, new every morning, mercies are new every morning, yeah. you are my portion, yeah, and therefore we have hope, you know
0: mm. Mm. something I learned from Chrissy McClelland is mm. that in all of the lament psalms, there's only one that doesn't end in the like affirmative, looking towards the Lord, hope.
1: Which one is that? Couldn't
0: tell you. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> oh, a, no, I want to know. Text Christine, and ask her. <laughs> yes. um, but I was like, yeah, I mean, I've never heard that. And that makes total sense. Like, I would have I would have probably wagered not even one. But then, I mean, that's real life, too. You know, like, totally. out of all the lament psalms that were penned, it feels right that at least one. That of there's one. It's like,
1: and, Period.
0: I have a friend who writes um, worship songs, as we all do if we live in Nashville, and she said that recently she's been going to co-writes and is like, let's just write a song about how we're sad and just end it. Like, let's not. And everyone's like, it doesn't work like that. She's like, come on. Like, we can just be sad. And the Lord is there. Everyone's like, that is not a good worship
1: song. (laughs) But but it's true, you know, and and honestly, I mean, there are days when I was like, Lord, this sucks like excuse the the phrase but it just (laughs) sucks period yeah you know and and then uh, there's also that coming back to but i trust you i trust you i trust you lord yeah um and i know that again it's not the end of the story
0: yeah Yeah. okay i have one final question but i want to talk about um the thoughtful table so tell us about where did this come from in your personal experience give us a story behind the thoughtful table
1: so I grew up with a um with two grandmothers and a great grandmother who were amazing at loving their people well. Yeah. And they all had the gift of hospitality sort of expressed in different ways. So for one of them it was like all about the food when you come to her house, you yeah. know you're going to eat well and you're going to feel so loved yeah. through her food, yeah. you know. And another one is about the table setting kind of and the food, but yeah. it was going to be a beautiful sort of table experience and yeah. I remember so many good memories around the table as a kid. And, and then for my great-grandmother, she didn't have a lot. She was widowed at a fairly early age no. and never remarried and didn't, I mean, just by our standards, didn't have a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. But every single Sunday, whomever in her family or circle community, church community, wanted to come over for lunch. She would love to have you. And she made sure that your favorite dish that she made was on the table. Hmm. So, I mean, I remember walking, she lived in South Carolina. But I remember walking into her house. And first of all, my senses just being overwhelmed yeah. with like, Oh my gosh, we're about to eat so good, yeah. you know, yeah. but also looking at the table. And I mean, it might be like 10 side dishes and five desserts, yeah. but just to make sure that I'm no, I'm no kidding. And I'm like, I don't even know how she afforded that. I don't know, but it was wow. her ministry yeah. to her people. Wow. and. You knew that when you walked in, like you were seen because mm-hmm. your favorite thing was on the table mm-hmm. and it's how she was expressing her mm-hmm. love to you. And so that really influenced me, certainly. Mm-hmm. I didn't care much about cooking when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I was just around it a lot. Yeah. And around great hospitality. And um, as I got married and had my own home and began to develop a love for having people in my home and getting people around a table and getting the conversation rolling mm-hmm. and really seeing what happens. It began to sort of form my perspective mm. on the table and why it matters. Mm. And then actually just digging into the word, yeah. um, and seeing that table fellowship is God's idea yeah. and that we're actually, headed to a table yeah. like we yeah. are headed to the wedding feast of the lamb yeah. and every time we gather around a table now it's really practice wow. for that day wow. isn't that incredible yeah
0: that's amazing
1: and so as we have um developed the concept of the thoughtful table it's kind of threefold it is recipes that are a lot of them handed down through generations in my family yeah Loving people through food, table settings, setting a beautiful space so that people feel really seen and valued and honored and celebrated. You know, I think our world, I've talked to actually Christy McClellan about this quite a bit. Our world looks at... The whole idea of having people in our homes is entertaining. And we use that word a lot. I love to entertain. But in the kingdom, it's about celebrating. Mm. And as kingdom people, we are called to celebrate yeah. life. And yeah. we see, I mean, all throughout scripture, just the rituals around the table, yeah. you know. Yeah. And what happens around the table, it's kind of a supernatural experience yeah. and an exchange often that we're sort of inviting the presence of the Lord yeah. to be among us. Wait,
0: and like, I'm thinking about the Passover and oh, a lot totally. of these like Jewish traditions where, I mean, it's all about gathering at the table, super intentional. We've set a seat for Moses. we I mean, 100%. yeah, 100%.
1: And so how do we carry that forward today? And so we're kind of digging in. So it's table settings, it's recipes, and then it's really the why behind the table Mm -hmm. that we're exploring and really excited to dig into and just having a great, a great time with it.
0: I love that. I think about my mom early on. My mom um, marries my dad. He becomes a pastor she i say always ever reluctant pastor's wife <laughs> and she but she's young and she's in a little church and there's a lot of expectations and you know she's just trying to figure out who am i and and just as me Cindy Easley and then who am i as a pastor's wife and what do you expect me to be in all these things totally and i think she deep down had felt a lot of pressure like i should probably be inviting people over to our house but i we're poor, I don't enjoy cooking. we don't have anything fancy. I think it I think she did have her grandmother's China by that point, but like beyond that, you know she's like I, this is she felt very overwhelmed and she and my dad tell a story which is funny because they both tell it from different I mean obviously point of views, but even with different purpose yeah um but a little sweet old widowed missionary invited them over for lunch after church one day. And I mean, I don't really know what her I think she did. I think she lived like not even in like a double wide trailer, like the tiniest little thing. You know, it was like a a fold down table. She had served whatever she made on all paper products. Mm -hmm. I mean, the meal was not fancy. And my mom said she had never felt so cared for and like overwhelmed with gratitude. Like she knew that this sweet missionary was giving all that she had and she wanted to set a table. She wanted to have, Communion and I mean not spiritual communion, but she yeah. wanted to commune yeah. with um her very young. I mean, he was probably like 26 years old. Yeah. Which, this woman is probably in her 90s. Like, <laughs> but she wanted to sit I down with it. her new little pastor and his pastor's wife and get to know them and love on them. And my mom walked away and said, Okay, if she can host, I can host. Mm-hmm. And it started small. I mean, I they for years, Sunday night was Nacho night at our house. And it was like I mean, there were couples, there were singles, there were old missionaries like this mm-hmm. woman. I mean, we had all kinds of people in our house every Sunday night, which now looking back, I'm like, dad, how did you even have? This? I mean, he had already done church exhausted. all that day. Yeah, yeah. he's exhausted. Totally. He had taken his nap on the Lazy Boy, though. But <laughs> yes. that was their thing. Like, if you need a place, our house is open on Sunday nights mm-hmm. and we're going to have nachos. <laughs> like I the, love it. And I mean, it was a great nacho bar by the end. But like, it's still it's like bringing what, what you, you have. And Some people are like Laura Cooksey and are incredibly gifted and skilled and love it. Mm -hmm. And some people aren't. I mean, again, my mom is like, I am not a hostess, but you are welcome into my house. Make yourself at home. Get yourself whatever you want out of my fridge pantry. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I'll make a mean Costco run. But like, you know, and that's not true. My mom hosts Thanksgiving and does an amazing job. But um, but all that to say, it's like, start with where you are. Start with what you have. And I just love the... Concept behind this whole brand of really the intentionality of it, and yeah. and the spiritual lens of your right, like we are. I love that we're practicing. We for are heaven. We are practicing for heaven, and I, you know, our culture.
1: We've become such technology driven people, yeah. and that we have basically, you know, relegated our conversations to the comment sections of social media oh, or to texts or to emails. And I'm just telling you, I remember Dr. Brian Lawrence was at our church a while back and he was talking about just the state of race relations in our country mm-hmm. and, and what are we called? How are we called to the conversation yeah. and to action as, yeah. as the body of Christ? And he said something that has stuck with me and I'll never forget it. He said, proximity breeds empathy. Wow. And... I mean, you just take that to the table and yeah. it's like when you get around the table with people who are not like you yeah. or people who are like you but have a different story, whatever. Yeah. When you get around the table with somebody and you look eyeball to eyeball, yeah. proximity breeds empathy yeah. and we can't help but have that community deepened uh-huh. and that love nurtured and the relationship fostered around the yeah. table when we are sharing a meal. You know, it's The table is such a unique forum because it's one of the only times when like all of our senses are engaged mm-hmm. and I think... In that process of coming to the table, our physical needs are being met, emotional needs are being met, spiritual needs are being met, you know, and it allows for us to kind of in this disarming way, have the harder, deeper, meaningful conversations and moments. Yeah. And that's where I really feel like the presence of God is just yeah. all up in the mix of that. You
0: yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. man, I love that. Okay. My final question for you yeah. is what is one thing that you just long for every person who's listened to our conversation today to know, to really get to understand while they're on their own spiritual journey?
1: I think of Ephesians three, like that God is with you and that mm-hmm. he's for you and that you would know. Mm-hmm. I mean, Not scripturally, but like in every fiber of your being, the depth and width and height of the Lord's love for you and that you would be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it says to know this love and then that we would be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's my hope and my prayer for everybody, because if we know that love and if we receive that love and and grab a hold of that, lay a hold of that in yeah. the in the way that we can, yeah. you know, while we're here on earth, then we can live from that place yeah. and love others
0: from that place. And to me that's that's the kingdom. That's it. That's that's it. it. Yeah. Y'all go check out the thoughtful table. I'll link all the thing in the show notes, go follow Laura on Instagram so that you know, when her new music comes out, I will shout it from the rooftops Sorry. if we're friends on Instagram, but you might as well just go follow her directly. So you can know before I tell you, uh, so excited about that as well. Love you, dear Yay, friend. Love you. Thanks, Thanks for, for being here. Me. It's fun. Before you go, I want to remind you about my book, The College Girl Survival Guide. If you have a college girl in your life that you want to encourage and love on, grab a copy of this book and send it to her with a handwritten note. I wrote The College Girl Survival Guide from my 10 plus years of mentoring and guiding over thousands of college women as I helped them navigate the transition from high school through college and beyond. This book is a culmination of all of those conversations and relationships, emails and heart to hearts, and it contains the answers to the top 52 concerns of college women today. It's real, it's biblically based, and it's designed to help college women not only make the most of their college experience, but create habits that will propel them into their 20s and beyond. You can find the College Girl Survival Guide anywhere books are sold online, or if you'd like a personalized copy that's signed by me and includes an art print that she can hang in her dorm room or apartment, you can buy it at hannahseymour.com.